listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. We have a good Thanksgiving. I hear you. A couple of moans and groans still, right? Anybody want a turkey sandwich? Probably everybody's a little tired of that. Why don't we eat turkey other than Thanksgiving? Does anybody buy turkeys during the year? I don't even know if they sell them. I'm not sure why we buy in the packages. But for some reason, we don't cook turkeys. Maybe that's just our family, but um, we, they found them on sale. We bought 14, so we're going to have them a lot. Um, they're, they're still alive, so we got to do all that too. But anyway, last week we talked about the godly man, and we were in 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to remain in there and, and, and creep into chapter 2 as well today and talk about godly women. But if you weren't here last week, very quickly... Uh, some points of a godly man are, are very important for us to remember. And a godly man, first he sets an example in worship. He sets an example for his family in worshiping. He also loves his wife. He loves his wife by the things that he does, the things that he says, and who he portrays. Some points that we used last week. He also not only participates, but he leads in raising children, in raising his own kids, um, not just helping out. And the final, final point we made was that he's possessed by God. That all in all, he's possessed by God. And when God is in part of his life, then that loving his wife as Christ loved the church is not just a, uh, this, this goal that can't be reached. But when we're possessed by God, men, we can do that. So we spent that time um, last week. And the first six verses is really what set that up. And that's what sets up today. And we're going to start in, in uh, verse seven today. But before we jump into it, we're going to use a lot of verses. And instead of uh, me reading all those, we're going to read them as we walk through the message. But as we start, let's pray together this morning. God, we are thankful. We're thankful for the week that we've had to, to pause, uh, to, to take some time off of work, to spend time with family, um, to to take that break to just say thank you. Thank you for what you've blessed us with. We thank you for cool air this morning, uh, that we can walk outside and see sunshine, enjoy your creation as our seasons change, and we move towards this celebration of the coming of your son, Jesus Christ. So God, today as we, we pause during this time and this message, Lord, we thank you for the worship that we've already experienced. And as we continue worship and we break open your word, God, we ask that you use it. Use it in our lives. Walk around in our hearts, God. Not just the women who are here, but all people. All of us need the message of hope today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So being female is difficult. Now, I don't obviously say that from experience, but... I was raised by one. I live with three, five, counting the animals. So me and Jordan are a little outnumbered at home most of the time. So been around females a lot, do a lot of therapy in, in my private practice with females and work with a, a lot of different issues in regards to female, but I am not one. So that's my disclaimer, right? So don't send me emails this week. You don't understand. Please don't do that, all right? Because I'm just going to whoop, delete, all right? But, so I'm going to go ahead and just tell you that straight up. But what I do hope that you will um, understand is that I'm just doing what God told me to do and preaching from the word and want to break that open for us this morning. But even being a mom, I know is a tough job. It's the sleepless nights. It's hard 
brings more than your share of troubles day in and day out. Um, you know, considering that often thankless job of being a mom. I know that as a kid, I, I, I did my share of, of making life difficult for my mom, and, and she's going to be here at the 11 o'clock service, so that'll be even more fun to talk about this story. Um, but my mom is a, is a sewer. She liked to sew, um, even to the point of an Easter Sunday when we all had matching clothes, all of us. And um, the pictures are still on the wall, and there were browns and tans and, and, and not smiles. But anyway, it's another story. But so she liked to sew. When we would go to Belk, Belk Hudson in Brunswick, Georgia, and when we would go to Belk, we always had to go look at the patterns and the material. And um, I was a plunderer, um, experienced probably some undiagnosed ADHD as a child, and um, I just like to mess with things. Well, in the pattern area are pattern cabinets. And if you know what a pattern cabinet looks like, it's like a big chest of drawers, and it's got four large drawers about that wide, about that tall. Well, in Belks, it was sitting against a wall and then it was kind of in a cubby and a wall was right behind it. So I thought it would be fun to pull out the drawers of this cabinet. So I, I pulled out the bottom drawer, then the next one, the next one. I had all of them out and it was a lot of fun and I was just starting to climb and do things like that. But I decided, well, I'll just push them back in. Well, I made the mistake of starting at the bottom and because I wasn't taking physics when I was four. So I pushed the bottom drawer in and I pushed the next one in, and about the time I got the second one in, here it came. This large, very large pattern cabinet comes tumbling over on top of me and hits the wall behind me where I'm just underneath it, just like this, and it would have crushed me and killed me, all right? So my mom comes over there, and it's, it's a, a lot of flurry, and it was scary, but I, I did things like this a lot. I, I pulled down total racks and belks and, and other stores. I would hide underneath them until they called on the intercom to find me. I thought it was funny. Um, those types of things were fun. But moms, you understand these stories because you experience those with your own kids. We all have those stories that, are, that, are, that make us, you know, like our hair fall out and, and do crazy things and, and make us anxious. Um, but this story in 1 Samuel about Hannah is something not just for, for ladies, not just for moms, not just for girls, but for each one of us, mothers and fathers, singles, married, male, female, because ultimately this is about how we can be godly people. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I'm not going to reread the first six verses, but I want to pick up with verse 7. Uh, the first six verses is talking about Elkanah and, and what he experienced and what we talked about last week and what was going on, but it leads in to the problems that Hannah was having. So verse 7 says, this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? So the first thing I want to talk about today is that we will all face problems. You will face problems. And you're like, tell me something I don't know, right? Tell me something I don't know. Work, one, one child is sick this morning, you know, threw up all night, whatever. Work doesn't understand what's going on. 
my life's a wreck, I punched my mother-in-law at Thanksgiving, whatever it may be, that we all have problems, right? It's a, a tough week for many. Some think that with Christ, all things are great, but the text says, with Christ, all things are possible. It's a very different promise. And sometimes we get that misconstrued and those on the outside looking in, those who do not know Christ, watch those of us who are Christians and say, well, they must have it all together. I have to get it all together before I can do that. But John 16, says, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So we are going to have problems. We will have trouble. And Hannah has serious serious problems. And you also may be sitting here today and bringing some of those problems into the church. You're toting those around. And we talked about this last week that some some issues that Hannah was probably facing were depression, was an eating disorder, possibly, infertility, definitely. And the struggle was overwhelming and was paralyzing. And it says in the text, it lasted a long time. Her husband didn't even understand. In fact, she was misunderstood in general. Her husband literally asked her, why are you crying? Don't you love that one, ladies? Don't you love when we as husbands ask, why are you crying? Because we don't usually ask it with that inflection, with that sweet demeanor of, why are you crying, baby? It's usually, why are you crying, right? Come on, some amens, some nudges. Yeah, yeah, just last night, that's what you did to me, right? Guess what we're thinking? It's going on right now. Let me just teach you something real quick, guys. No, this is not a sermon to you, but this is a free one, right? There's a word called validate. Validate. It's something you can do with anything, with anything. And when our wives are struggling, when our wives are crying, they don't need to be invalidated, right? With the, why are you crying? They need to be simply just looked at and said, I can see that you're upset. Validated, boom, booyah, just like that, validated. How many women in here would rather hear that than why are you crying, right? Couple, two of you agree with me. Absolutely, just validate. Validate what's going on in her life. Even Eli, her preacher, we're gonna get to this a little bit later, but he accused her of being drunk when she was calling out to God. But this the struggle affected her in every way. There's so many emotions I know that have to go through, through women's minds when they're barren, when they're infertile and, and are struggling to have kids. I, I work with couples all the time who walk down this road and it's a very, very dark place. It's a depressing place. And some of you here this morning are experiencing it right now or have experienced it. We see in, verses, in these verses that Hannah's husband, Elkanah, had two wives. And we talked about that last week. And his other wife had children. Verse two tells us that Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Now, in this age, when, when one of the main purposes in marrying was to really procreate, one of those main purposes was to have children and to further your family and, and help on the farm and do all those things and, and pass down heirs and all those, all those things that went on. But that was a main purpose of being married. If we look at the text, we see that she was even ridiculed for not having children. We back up to verse six, it says, and because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival, Penina, 
kept provoking her in order to irritate her. In verse 7, this went on year after year. When Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. I mean, can you imagine it? Panina, she sounded like a real piece of work, right? Hey, Hannah, can you, can you help me with, uh, with my kids? Or, or, or can you help me change that diaper? Or do you know how to change a diaper? Because you don't have any kids, remember? I mean, she's just provoking her and, and saying things to her and just like talking smack about having kids and not having kids. And it went on year after year after year. Hannah, I'm sure, felt feelings of inadequacy. She suffered bouts of depression. Lord, what are you doing here? What's the purpose of this? What's the purpose in life if I cannot have children and share children with my husband? And I'm certain there are many of us here today who feel inadequate at times. Maybe feel inadequate sitting here this morning or or dealing with depression. Don't understand why the Lord has you in the situation you're in right here, right now. Maybe there's some here today who haven't been able to have children, have lost a child who've experienced some of the worst situations in life and are struggling to even provide for your family. Maybe you're, you're, you're struggling with even thinking about Christmas coming up and what's going to happen with your children and, and, and being embarrassed to even asking someone for help in a time when everyone else may be getting things. Maybe you're facing problems and thinking, I must not be good enough. I'm not a godly person in the eyes of God since this is happening to me. But to be godly does not mean that you're not going to have problems. It does not mean that. We're going to face problems. But you need to know that you don't have to face them alone. And you, just because you face problems does not mean that you're not loved by God. And that's what this text is about. And it's so awesome. And I'm so, so ready to jump into it. I believe what is most important is that what we do during these times So let's look at what Hannah did in 1 Samuel chapter 1, continuing on with verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. So the second thing, we're going to face problems, but the second thing is we have to pursue God. You pursue God. And when we pursue God, we we end up doing three different things. We experience, we do something, and we experience two other things. And the first thing that we do is when we pursue God, we pray. We pray. Obviously, her worship, her prayer looked a little abnormal. Even the priest, the preacher looked at her and thought she was drunk. Not sure what normal worship was around this house, but obviously what she was doing was moving her lips and nothing was coming out, so he thought she was drunk. Well, Hannah prayed. 
Hannah was pouring out her soul to the Lord. And she had some real problems that were causing her pain and anguish. But instead of giving up, she looked up. She looked up to the one who created her. She looked up to God in prayer. And so often we have this, I've got it mentality. I've got it instead of going to God for help. Difficult circumstances in our life teach us to persevere and they help us to mature and to rely on God. And I think about the, the, the beautiful experience of, of watching um, an artist with a potter's wheel. Has anybody ever seen this? I went to, um, I don't remember what town it was in, somewhere. And there was this outside um, festival going on. And in one of the booths, this lady was working with the wheel. And she had that clay on there and it was spinning and, and she would put water on it and she would just continue to just to massage it and, and work with her hands and she would touch it here and, and put more pressure here. And that, that, that piece of clay just began to form and make something. And she ended up making this bowl and every time she would put water on it and then she would use a tool or her hands or whatever and it would just... It would just change. Now think about that with our own lives. When we give ourselves over to God, when we put ourselves on that wheel and allow God to use his hands and his spirit on us, it makes us into who he wants us to be. James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So James, he says that we're going to face these things, so allow them to happen. Allow those problems to happen, but we pray through them. When we don't mature in Christ, when we aren't continually counting on him, then we'll be lacking in the relationship with Christ, which is essential to our living. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. And weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Christ's power in our lives is made perfect in our weakness. It's not until we face problems that our weakness is exposed. When we actually look at these problems, we hand them over to God and God says, yep, there's a weakness. Let me work in that. Let me work with that in you. In areas where our weakness is exposed, we often have no choice but to turn to Christ but to turn to him. And that's exactly where Hannah is. She's at the end of herself and she cries out to God in her weakness. And some of you are here today, maybe suffering through all kinds of different issues and you're at the end of your weakness. And I challenge all of us to go to God with our problems. Pray that through whatever you're experiencing, that God will grow you. God will change you. And pray for God to change things. He can and he does change things. Hannah did not turn away from God in her problems, but she turned to God with her problems. She didn't turn away from God in her problems, but she turned to God with her problems. Express what you're feeling to God in prayer. Be an example for your kids. Especially ladies, we talked about men leading in worship. And, and I think the command is just the same for, for you ladies. Is be an example for your children when you pray. Be an example for your children when things are not going the way that they're supposed to be going. Instead of throwing your hands up or hiding in a closet or running out the front door or whatever you may do when things are, are too much. That our kids see us go to our knees rather than go to something else for help. That we call out to God and listen to what he has to say to us. Express 
what you're feeling to God in prayer. Be an example. Being in a relationship with God does not mean putting on a show that everything is okay when it's not. Because it's, not, it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. You've heard us say that from this platform many times. That's what Hannah did. That's what you should do. We need to be praying about everything. So when we pursue God, we pray. Also, when we pursue God, we find peace. Verse 17, Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. Now, I believe when Eli said, go in peace in verse 17, it was not only wishing Hannah well, but it's also the heart of God for each of us. Because in the midst of the struggle, God wants us to go in peace. Hannah's countenance, her spirit changed even before her circumstances did. Hear that. Even before her circumstances changed, her spirit, her countenance changed. God was moving in her heart and her life. The Lord remembered her, the text says. It's easy for us to think that in the midst of difficult circumstances, God has forgotten us. That we're on this island all alone and we're suffering and, and we're wondering where is God? Where has he gone? But the scripture is clear that God will never forget his children. Philippians chapter four, Paul talks about this constantly in this chapter. Verse six says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So when we pursue God, we pray, we find peace. And when we pursue God, he provides, he provides for us. Verse 19, early the next morning, they arose and they worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah. Pause. Yes, it says it. And the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Yes, yes, this is about next steps. There was only one immaculate conception in the Bible and that was Jesus Christ. So God had answered her prayer, but they had to take a next step. There wasn't a supernatural birth for Hannah and for Elkanah. So that next step was to do what they needed to do. And we talk about the supernatural, but a lot of times our next step provides or has to, to do with God's super and our natural. We have to take the next step to do what God has called us to do for that miracle to happen. So I challenge you today, what is your next step? What is the step that you need to take? God did bless Hannah and provide a child for her. Yes, he did. And yes, God does change our circumstances sometimes as part of his provision, but sometimes he doesn't change our circumstances, but he still provides for us. He still provides for us. Look at verse 18 in 1 Samuel. Before she became pregnant, before she even could have been pregnant, God provided peace for Hannah. This is so important. God's provision does not necessarily change our circumstances, although we certainly can ask for that, but God's provision does change us. It changes us. We still may not understand everything, but we don't need to because we already know how the story ends. 
We already know that God came through his son, Jesus Christ, and he died on a cross and was raised on the third day. We already know how the story ends. Instead, we know everything that we need to know, that God cares for us. He's working out his will in our life, and that's the best place to be. If we're aware of that, if we're aware of God working in our lives, that's the best place to be. Now, throughout this and through my preparation, through my, my practice, one of the issues, one of the number one issues that I deal with, with women, and if, if, I would love to have everybody guess, but I'm not gonna do that. That would take too long. But one of the, the biggest things that, we, that I face with women is God, I'm afraid to say it because men are just going to go, amen. I'm going to say it anyway. Control. Easy. Easy tigers, right? But stereotypically, traditionally, women like to be in control. And we talked about last week how men, in a lot of ways, have been demeaned in, in our televisions and movies and all types of things and have kind of been um, emasculated. And, and a lot of times that happens as, as women feel like they need more control. And I think this is, a, this is both of our problems. I think a lot of women need to be in control because their sorry husbands won't help and do what they're supposed to do, honestly. Won't step up and do what God's called them to do. And then... Control is just a safe place to be. It's very safe to be in control, to, to, to make sure that things are the way they're supposed to be. There's a lot of responsibility for you as women. It's, it's one of the things I do not envy at all. And there's a lot of responsibility you place on yourself that doesn't need to be there because your helpmate is supposed to be there with you. Because doing things as a team is so much easier. But in the midst of dirty diapers, in the midst of bad attitudes around the house, in the midst of chaos of schedules, we can still find contentment. We can still find contentment. And that's how God provides for us. I love this definition, a resting or satisfaction of mind without disquiet. It is internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. So it's, it's, I get this picture of like the house spinning around and that faithful mother sitting on the sofa drinking a cup of coffee. Content, not out of control, but content where God has placed you. Content where God has called you to be. Philippians chapter four, skipping to verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And this is such a great word of hope, especially for you ladies, especially for mothers. God is good all the time and we can trust him to provide exactly what is best. Verse 21 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. 
Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah flower, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I'm the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord, one you thought was drunk. I prayed, to the, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So the third point I want to make is that women, godly women keep their promises. Godly people keep their promises and hold to their word. Remember back in verse 11, she made a vow saying that if she had a son, she would give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Hannah kept her promise that she had made to the Lord. But imagine that for a moment. The one thing that you've prayed for, the one thing that you have spent years and years anguishing about, being depressed about, ending up with an eating disorder about, going through so many emotions about having a child, and then God finally blesses you with that child. And you say, I kept my promise and now I have to hand him over to the Lord to literally give him to the priest to be raised in the temple for the rest of his life. Wow. Kind of reminds you of another story of a man and his son, doesn't it? A sacrifice that was made on our behalf. It must have been extremely hard for her, yet she knew that the Lord wanted him. We glorify the Lord when we keep our word. Men and women, boys and girls, we must keep our word. If we make promises, we must keep our word. And the goal of every mother here should be to raise your children to trust in the Lord. But sometimes that requires sacrifice. It may be those instances in your own life when your child comes to you and says, you know, I really want to go into full-time ministry. And I, and. From my standpoint, I'm like, no, please don't do that. Please don't do that. I don't want them to experience some of the things that I've experienced in, in ministry. It's difficult. It's not an easy, glamorous life that's just, you know, Cadillacs and, and whatever you get when you're rich. I don't know why I said Cadillacs. But anyway, it's, it's not a, a glamorous place to be. It's full of heartache. It's full of anguish. Maybe... You know, whether it's at our workplaces, our neighborhoods, and our homes, we need to be teaching our kids to serve and walk in the ways of the Lord. But maybe your child says, you know, I, I'm thinking about going to the mission field. I've had that experience with, with so many of our, our interns from time to time that say they want to go that direction. And one of the most difficult conversations they have is with their parents about it. It's hard as a parent when your child says, I want to do this. But they're really, if they're trusting in God and you're praying alongside them, there's some sacrifice that may need to be made. Whether they take off a semester or not. Whether they start or end a relationship. Whether they choose to play or not play a sport. Those are some difficult decisions that have to be made. Remember, control. 
control. It's a difficult place to be, men and women, because we want the best for our children. And we've been down the roads and we have wisdom, we have knowledge, we've made the mistakes, but sometimes they have to make their own. It's the ultimate goal of parenting, to lead them in the direction of Christ. But Hannah did the thing that would be best for her son in the long run, even though it was painful in the short run. Godly women keep their promises. Godly people keep their promises. So finally, when we're living godly lives, even as we experience problems and we pray, and we receive God's provision and his peace, we keep our promises. The final thing that she did, and this is so beautiful, she praised God. She praised God in 1 Samuel chapter two is a prayer around all types of prayers. In the first two verses, it says, then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. Now she's given her child away. My mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance. She has her child no more. There's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one besides you. There's no rock like our God. She's praising the God she's given her child to. Instead of looking inward and, and woe is me and I can't believe I did this and I finally got a child, now I gotta give him to God with a bad attitude. Attitude. She's praising the one who created him inside her. Hannah praises the Lord because she knew that God had blessed her and that Samuel was blessed of the Lord and she knew he was completely in God's hands. The hands of the one that she could completely trust that had drawn her close, that heard her in her distress, that provided for her and that had blessed her. That was the one she had given her child to. So, so women and men, you know, we have the whole OMG text. Oh my God. You know, what, that's what it means. But what if we change that just, oh my God, to oh my God in reverence because of what he's done for us, in reverence of how he has blessed us, how he has, has changed us, how he comes into our life and changes our circumstances sometimes. But he always changes us, always changes us. This was the God she could trust with her most valuable earthly possessions, even her son. And this is also the God you can trust the God you can trust in each and every day. This is the God who wants to draw you close and listen to you in your distress and give you peace and bless you. Women and girls, no matter what circumstance you are facing, no matter what you are facing today, you don't have to face it alone. You don't have to even sit in this chair right now and think about how overwhelming things are right now how much you're dreading going back to work tomorrow if you work, how much you are, are, are dreading day after day what's going on in your own personal life, how much you are dreading even having to talk to your husband later because things are just so rocky, how much you're dreading the holidays rather than celebrating them my wife and I were able to get away for a couple of days this week and we left Thursday afternoon after lunch and went to Augusta. And it wasn't to shop, it was just to get away. We're movie buffs, we love going to the movies. 
but we drove by all the shopping areas on Thursday night when people were camped out. And it was so fun to just drive by and just look at it and go, that really does look like that's gonna be a bad night for y'all. But we actually ran into some of our own church people, but that's another story for another time. We texted and found out where they were, drove up, said hey, and said, we're going to eat, I'm going to a movie. Y'all have fun for the rest of the night. But those stressors come from shopping. Some people love it. I don't know where that comes from. It's about like running, right? I don't know where shopping is enjoyable at all. But that brings about another stress. It brings about anxiety. Being female is tough enough, but God has designed in you to be able to accomplish it because of his love in you. He's designed you to accomplish so much because women are amazing. Mothers are amazing. I don't know how you do what you do. I don't know where the strength comes from sometimes when I watch in amazement of how things get accomplished. How you love so deeply, hurt so deeply, laugh so deeply. Those emotions are so raw at times. Only God creates that in you. Harness it. Love it. But my question for you is, have you been seeking his help and his provision? Because to seek his help and his provision, you have to know him. You have to have a relationship with, you, with him. Are you in a relationship with the one who can provide that? Are you in a relationship with the one who can meet those needs? You need Jesus Christ because you will have problems. You will have problems because when you know him, these are the things that will happen. You will pursue him. You will pursue him through prayer and through prayer you will experience peace and you'll you'll experience his provision. And when you know him, you will keep his promises. You will keep your promises. And when you know him, you will praise him. But maybe today, anybody in the room, maybe today is the day you say, "I, I can't do any of those things because I don't know him. I don't know him. What a great way. What a great post-Black Friday way to experience God for the first time and begin this Christmas season on the right foot. To get things right with Christ today. And we want to give you an opportunity to do that. So right here, right now, if God is speaking to you, your heart's beating 100 miles an hour and you know this is a decision that you need to make is to follow him today for the very first time. Maybe you made some decision a long time ago and, and you're just, none of these things have happened. You're not pursuing God. You're not keeping your promises and you're certainly not praising him. Maybe that's you today. So right here, right now, if that's a decision you need to make, just lift your hand up right where you are. Just put it up so we can see it because we want to celebrate with you. We don't hide the fact that we want to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just lift your hand up right where you are. Anybody. All right, for the rest of us, all of us Christians in the room. We did this last week. We're going to kind of reverse our order today. I'm going to ask all of our 
females. All of our ladies, just stand right where you are. And I'm asking all of you, if you're able to come to the altar this morning. So you can go ahead and do that now. If you'll come down to the altar, crowd up in here. We want to pray for you this morning. And if you're able and want to kneel down, that is fine. If you want to stand, that's fine as well. Whatever's comfortable for you. But I want you to know, ladies, that God is able. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ever think or imagine. And men, husbands, brothers, all the rest of you, I'm going to ask you to come up behind them as we did last week with our ladies. I want you to come up behind them. If you can get in the rows a little bit to get as close as you possibly can, that'd be great. Go to the outside walls. Just kind of fill in. And you don't have to, you don't have to find the one you were with. Just to be up here and close to experience this time together. And men, as we pray, I want us to pray for our wives, pray for our mothers, pray for our sisters, pray for our friends that they will pursue God. They will pursue God in their lives and that we as men will enable them to do that. Provide a place, love them through it, validate their feelings and lift them up. So let's pray and then you continue to pray as we sing. God, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, for the peace that only you can give us in times of complete heartache and struggle. God, as, as Hannah struggled with so many things, it's just the tip of the iceberg as to what is in front of me this morning. So many deep, deep issues of hurt, of past hurt. And so many ladies who, who are just absolutely amazing. God, if, if you're just allowed to work in their life, that so many more amazing things can happen. The peace that you can bring, the provision that you can bring, God, I pray for that. And God, I pray for our men as they pray over them this morning, that this is a special, sweet, sweet time that we can have. So hear us, God, as we continue to pray.